There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kramitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg Kraminski and Colin Andrews. Greg, here we are again. Another week, another podcast. Episode 73, I should say. Nice. Which is, considering when we started this, we started this at the sort of the beginning of the global pandemic. That's a lot of content during these many months. It is. And yeah, May of 2020, I guess, was our first podcast. So yeah, well, listen, there's lots to talk about. And I expect we'll have a little celebration when we hit number 100. For sure we will. Now, last week we talked with Sarah Newcomb. Sarah is the Director of Behavioral Finance at Morningstar. And that was a fun conversation. And I would encourage those to go back and listen to it if you didn't listen to it last week. But two weeks ago, we started this conversation about, I'm dead, now what? And today we're going to sort of carry on with that conversation. During the previous episode when we discussed it, we were talking about the importance of having an estate plan, having the will and the personal directives, enduring power of attorney, things like that. But we have this little book that we give out to people. It's just a planning book for people to fill out on their own. And it's just a place for them to document, well, anything important in their life that they want to leave information for. It's really handy. And it's something that we suggest people start to do, maybe even before they have their first meeting with the lawyer. Let's say if you're starting to work on estate planning and you need to meet with a lawyer to have the three documents prepared, the will, the power of attorney, and the personal directive. And it's just a good way to essentially take inventory of what you have, not only physical assets, financial assets, things like that, but how you want things to be taken care of when you're gone. And so this is really a great place to start. We're going to be talking about a lot of individual items for people to think about. So for anybody listening, don't feel you have to jot these down as we talk because we do have these books available that help you get things organized. There's a lot of online types of programs available as well, but this is just a nice handy little reference book that everybody can take home and start planning. Well, I think that's the point is that it's just about getting organized. It's the same thing when we do a financial plan with somebody, we have to organize all of the data before we do the financial plan. So this is just organizing your affairs for when you're not able to have a voice. Well, that's right. right. And I think we say, I'm dead now, what? This could also apply to people that become disabled or incapacitated and aren't able to handle their own affairs. And that's where the power of attorney, of course, comes into play. But again, you want the power of attorney to be aware of most of these things as well, because they will be taking over for you when you're not able to. Right on. Well, let's kick it off. Where does somebody start, Greg? When we're talking about estate planning and pulling together information that will be beneficial to somebody who's looking after your affairs after you're gone, we start with personal information. People will need, obviously, your date of birth, maybe social insurance numbers, things like that. So all of that personal information needs to be identified. Medical information. Now, why would somebody need medical information for somebody that's deceased? Well, that's a good question. I guess there might be people that need to be notified of your passing. 
and other things like that. So, or I was uh, thinking of like for the next generation, if your parents have a pre, what is it called? Like when you have something, an underlying medical issue. Oh yes, that maybe could be passed down. Sure, possibly genetically inherited or what have you. You certainly want to identify a number of key contacts. And so those key contacts, from the standpoint of actually handling your estate, you would want to identify the executor or executors, it's very important, your estate lawyer, and your accountant, because all of those people will be absolutely critical in administering your estate and making sure your wishes are executed. But as well, there may be family and friends and other people that you'd like to have contacted if you were to pass away. Now, don't you find, though, that in today's day and age of the internet, that the passing of somebody, the information that somebody has passed, like that flows pretty quickly to most people, right? It can. And this is just a way to make sure that some very specific people are notified, people that you would want to know. Like, who would you want to notify? Not naming them specifically, but like what types of people? Well, I mean, I think it would be people that I am or was friends with no longer in my close circle of where I live. I have friends across the country. and Oh, you're just bragging now. Well, you know, but one, one in, <laughs> in each place. <laughs> just people that you know, possibly extended family that maybe you haven't seen in a long time. Like a strange family, maybe. Could be. So what else? How about insurance policies? Well, that's probably pretty important information for your beneficiaries to have access to. Absolutely. Because insurance pays out pretty quick upon the death of somebody. It does. And of course, insurance policies, in many cases, in most cases, there is a named beneficiary on insurance policies, and which means that, as you say, it can be paid out very quickly without waiting for the estate to be probated. How does that factor in funeral arrangements with insurance policies and covering that cost? Many people will have insurance policies, permanent insurance policies, specifically to cover those what we call last expenses. Not only to cover the actual cost, but many people actually do make funeral arrangements in advance. And that's just done to make it easier for their family and for the executor to deal with that aspect. If there are funeral arrangements, obviously you'd need to identify the funeral home, what to be done with your remains, whether you want to be buried or cremated, etc. So all of that needs to be identified. And I guess you'd have to identify things like your dependents. Yeah, that would be important. And again, keep in mind that I think a lot of this work can be done in advance of drafting the will, because then when you go to see the lawyer, you'll be able to identify, these are the people that I want to have as beneficiaries, or these are my minor dependents, possibly, people that guardianship might need to be arranged for. So yeah, you want to know who they are, any relationships, what their relationships are, where they're located, if they're in town, if they live independently or separately, et cetera. And any healthcare history, as we talked earlier, that may affect them. Your beneficiaries probably want to know where your will's located it's kind, too. It's kind of important. And I usually would suggest that the will be located in a couple of places, one copy with the lawyer and another copy somewhere accessible to your family or to your executor. Well, especially if they don't know who the lawyer is. That's correct. I know we have a number of client relationships where people have given us just an electronic copy of their wills, and it's just an in-case situation. Just in case somebody can't find it, we have a copy that they can act on. Exactly. Well, what other kind of documents might you want to have in there? Well, you probably want to know things like, I mean, this might sound kind of silly because you're dead, but your driver's license, your passport, where's your passport located? That's an important government document your birth certificate, any marriage or divorce certificates, 
things like your address book, all your contacts is probably something where if your family's trying to reach out to people that you know, another one that really comes up quite often is what about your computer, your login to your computer that has access to a lot of your information? Yeah, that's so important because when you think about how much is done online right now, I mean, sort of investing and banking is done online. Many insurance policies are paid online. There's just so much of what we do is linked to our phone or our computer. And every one of those sites has a username and password. And you absolutely want your executor or family members to be able to access that information when you're gone. Because it's a little awkward going to the funeral home with somebody's smartphone to get a facial recognition of them (laughs) while they're laying in the casket, right? I mean, it'd probably be easier to have the passwords. That that would be easier. Yeah. Yeah. So what about financial information? Yeah. I mean, obviously financial information is going to be very critical to the executor because the executor has a big job. And basically the job is to identify all assets, identify all liabilities, ensure that a lot of things are taken care of that would otherwise be left hanging. And so you obviously need to know where the financial power of attorney is located. Again, that might be more important in the case of somebody who suffers a disability and isn't able to handle their own affairs, but that's valuable information. Bank account information, credit card information, any other charge or credit cards that you might have, your investment portfolio, where is it located? Who's the advisor? on the portfolio. There's other accounts, as we mentioned. I mean, your wallet is full of them, either your wallet or your digital wallet, frequent flyer points, reward programs, all sorts of things that probably will want to be canceled. Or redeemed. Or redeemed if possible. Where are your tax records? It's important to keep tax records for seven years or more. They've got to be somewhere. Is there a safe deposit box? And if there is, where's the key? And then obviously a list of things like any debts that you might have, mortgages, loans, lines of credit, leases, things like that. All that has to be identified. I mean, and there's also other things that are owed to you from others that need to also be identified. So I know I've done a few of these in the past where you've done personal loans to family members or friends or things like that. I mean, your estate probably wants to know if there's money owed to you or to it. Yes. Any judgments or possessions. So if you've I don't know, lent something to somebody of significant value. Sure. Probably should be documented somewhere. Exactly. So again, that just will help the executor as they go through the process of filing probate to understand where all those things are. Now, a lot of people are involved in or owners of commercial businesses. And obviously there's a lot of unwinding that needs to be done in that case. And so obviously you need the formal business documents, the name, the location of the business, the location of any other assets that the business might own. If the business rents space, then you need to know the landlord information for the business, information about the employees. What else? The accountant, the lawyer, business insurance, and any kind of buy-sell agreements that might exist between business partners. And again, the same things we talked about on a personal basis, bank information, credit cards, key customers, royalties, licenses, utilities, all sorts of things that businesses would be involved in that you might have the most of the information on. In many cases, it's that information is in a desk somewhere and it needs to be identified where that information can be accessed. Well, and on the internet too, the business website information, I know we ran into this a few years ago. We had to update our payment processing for our domain, for our website, which is 
markets-work.com in case anybody's interested. Exactly. But the company where the domain was purchased from, they had an old credit card and old information. And I remember trying to update the payment on it. And the guy I was speaking with basically gave me three chances to remember the password. (laughs) And if you don't remember the password, you're locked out. Like, I don't mean temporarily, I mean permanently. So it's really critical for those social media sites and websites for businesses and personal that people have access to that. No, exactly. The other thing is you're pulling together all of this information is you start thinking about who are your beneficiaries going to be and what they can expect or what you're planning to leave to those beneficiaries. So as we talked earlier, there could be life insurance policies, payouts, what type of policies, who to contact for that information, what's the amount, who's the beneficiary named on that particular insurance policy, and where are the papers or the information on those policies. And there might be some employer benefits and social insurance payments, final payments from those. Beneficiaries want to know what they can expect from a financial standpoint. So we've talked a little bit about some financial issues. And what about stuff? People own a lot of stuff. And that's really got to be identified. Personal property, real estate, houses, or recreational properties. who Timeshares even. Timeshares, sure. Who are the owners or their co-owners or the property owned individually? Where are the legal documents relating to those? Where are the keys, et cetera? So real estate is obviously a big thing for many people. I find people believe that they have very simple estates, but when they start itemizing all of these items, that it becomes clear that it's not so simple. Well, that's right. For, I would argue, virtually anybody, possibly with the exception of the commercial and business information we talked about, Every other item on the list we've talked about so far is relevant. For sure. I mean, because even when, let's say you have a kid that you help buy their first home or whatever, well, I guess that's an asset that needs to be declared. But yeah, so even things like vehicles, like as you said earlier, do you lease them? Do you own them? Do you have a loan on them? What's the ramifications on a lease, leased vehicle for a deceased person? I actually don't know, but I guess you'd need that information. You'd need to have access to things like, I don't know, keys. For sure. (laughs) That would be important. (laughs) Any insurance information on those vehicles to cancel or renew in somebody else's name, I suppose. But where are they stored? People often have storage units just for random things. And do your beneficiaries know that you have a storage unit? It's like that show, what's it? Storage Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Storage Wars. Not recommending it or not recommending it. But basically, these were people that went in and bought storage units from deceased yeah, people. Or, or people that just abandoned the storage lockers. And obviously death would be one of the main reasons why you might abandon it. Your executor doesn't know that it exists. Or do you have a safe? I know you talked about safety deposit boxes, but there's yeah. lots of people that have small safes in their home. Sure. Does somebody have access to the combination to that safe or even know where it is? And are there any valuables in it? I don't know. Not like Indiana Jones rare jewels, but that people have rare items or things that are of extreme importance to them that they do either hide away in the house or put in a safe or a safe deposit box. And you'd like to know not only is there a safe deposit box, but what's inside it or likewise a safe in your home. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there a Wayne Gretzky rookie card in there worth $6 million somewhere that you don't know about? I think I had one of those, but I can't remember where it is now. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. I had one of those years ago. Well, there you go. Yeah. Anyways. And when we're talking about 
insurance, and in many cases, insurance that needs to be cancelled or reassigned. There's not just life insurance, but lots of people have some sort of health insurance through Blue Cross or some other provider like that. They might have dental insurance or benefits through a company plan. Certainly, we talked about motor vehicle insurance. All of those things are important to identify who's the insurer, because of course, changes need to be made. This one will hit close to home for you, but what about your pets? Well, that's right. If you have pets, you want to know that they're taken care of and they need to be taken care of right away. It can't take they can't you know, wait for probate. Five days, five or five or seven days for somebody to get into the house, let's say, if you live alone and take care of your animals. And so you absolutely need to identify the pet's type of pet, their names, I guess good to know, who the veterinarian is and who's going to take care of the pets. And hopefully you will identify that so that Somebody looking after your affairs, as I say, when you're not able to, for whatever reason, will take care of them. Very critical. I guess whoever's left is going to need to know what to pay, what to close, and what to cancel. I mean, in today's day and age, there's so many auto subscriptions that we're parts of. I'm just thinking and not promoting, but things like Netflix, Amazon Prime, and many others that are just automatic subscriptions. But you have other ones like, what about just your basic utilities, gas, electric, water, things like that? Do you have a landline? I should ask you, Greg, do you have a landline? Not anymore. Not anymore. So welcome to the 21st century. We cut the cord and it's been great. But there are lots of people that have landlines and is that a bill that needs to just be canceled or whatnot? And what about charities? Like people often give sort of automatic amounts to charities. I suppose when you're no longer here, that needs to be adjusted. That's right. And again, what we're talking about here is getting down on paper or digitally all of this information. So when you go and meet your lawyer and talk about what you want to be in the will, you can identify all of these things. And so it's really, not only is this a beneficial exercise to go through for somebody left behind, because unfortunately, and and we always talk about estate planning, we always talk about getting hit by a bus. The reality is that somebody out there may not make it home tonight. And all of this information has to be documented and identified regardless of the will or in advance of the will even. So really critical for sure. And you mentioned email and social media accounts. People have email accounts. In my case, I have an email account that my wife doesn't use. And so obviously I need to have identified my username and password so that she would be able to go in and monitor my emails and respond to things that might come in that need to be responded to. And the social media aspect, I know a couple of these companies are in hot water right now over maybe some business practices, but if you've got like Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, I don't know, not promoting any of them as investments, by the way, but just the reality is when I look at the younger generation, like my kids, all they know is social media. It's funny, both of my kids know the passwords to my phone and iPad and laptop, things like that. Credit cards? Pretty much. But I don't know the passwords to their phones (laughs) and they won't give them to me. No. And if you ever did find out, they would just change them anyway. Yeah. But the point is like there was a case a few years ago where somebody had, well, they had downloaded thousands of dollars of movies off of Apple and they passed away and their spouse didn't know their Apple ID password and it became a problem in the estate. And I don't know what came of it, but because they won't reset the Apple ID password for a deceased person. Anyways, just something to be wary of. But other than that, I mean, you also want to write down things like your wishes. 
whether you want the next generation to either know about you or wish for the for future. Sure. It's really an opportunity to get all that, to plan in advance for that time when you actually won't be able to say those things, whether it's how you want your property. In many cases, we find most wills deal a lot with financial assets, but a lot of wills don't deal specifically with property, your belongings. I have a couple of rare guitars. What would I want to happen to those? Because they likely won't be addressed directly in the will. And so this is a place for lots of those kinds of things to be addressed. And again, what you're doing is you're just planning for the future. The whole idea of estate planning is to be able to have your wishes be executed essentially from the grave. So things like your wishes, any last words, very important. As you mentioned at the beginning, we do have a planner that we can make available to people to try to organize all of this essentially exactly in the order that we've talked about. Many people don't like to use paper. They like to store things digitally and You can do the same thing online. There are many different types of programs or spreadsheets out there that set up these kinds of lists. But I think the important thing is just to do it one way or the other. And now I clearly get this isn't the most exciting thing to talk about. This is probably not our most exciting episode, but it's really important. Well, that's right. And it really is one of the critical key first steps when you're doing your estate planning. I mean, how can you plan for your estates if you don't even have a good solid record of everything you own, everything you owe, and how you think you'd like things to be handled when you're gone. And that really is the starting point. Exactly. And listen, get after it because I can say humbly that I haven't completed this yet myself. I've started it, but I haven't completed it. What's your problem? Well, you know, it's one of those things that's easy to put off until you start to panic. If you start feeling some chest pains, you might speed up filling out (laughs) that book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody that wants, as you say, a copy of that planner, let us know. We do have uh, many available and I shouldn't say anybody because there's actually quite a few people that listen to the show now. Right on. More than just our extended families, which is cool. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) And if there's other topics, I mean, I guess we'll wrap it up there for today's conversation, but if there's other topics that people want us to address, I mean, we're always open to addressing them. For sure. And listen, as we go forward in the future on this subject, we will be bringing in experts in the areas of drafting a will, thinking about, well, exactly. Now I know everything I own and how I want things to work. Now we need to put it on paper, not to mention the power of attorney and personal directive, which get into all sorts of other areas. But yeah, so stay tuned. We'll have more on that. Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Yep. Hey, just before we sign off, what's going on in your life? Any good books you're reading, shows you're watching? Cause <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we usually ask those questions. The only books I'm reading are focused around studies. <laughs> oh, I'm studying for, well, I told you, the University yes. of Chicago and the SEMA program. So just reading about probabilities and portfolio distributions. So Sounds fascinating. Well, I actually quite like it, but it wouldn't be exactly light reading. And what does SEMA stand for? Well, you know, because you have it. Right, right. So you tell us. That's the Certified Investment Management Analyst designation. Yes. It's relatively intense going through the process, but certainly valuable in the areas that we work. I'll tell you, I actually have been watching a few shows, though. I've been getting caught up on Dexter. Wow. It's a name from the past. Yeah. I noticed that it's got a reboot. They're coming out with new episodes starting shortly. I don't remember when the last Dexter was filmed, but it was quite a few years ago. Right on. Been also keeping up with Billions. 
Okay. Which comes out every Sunday. And a show sort of about what we do, but not really. I think I'm about four years behind on that. I think I watched the first season. Well, you got four more seasons to go then. Fantastic. Actually, the last episode, I watched the season ending episode. It is quite a cliffhanger. Oh. So you've only got to get through about 60 episodes to get there. Fantastic. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I'm actually reading, for a change, a really interesting book that is more biographical in nature. So it's called Codebreaker. And it's about Jennifer Doudna, who people may not have heard of. She won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2020 with one other researcher. She's the one who really helped develop what they call the CRISPR technology. Now, CRISPR, basically, it's a gene editing tool that bacteria use to protect themselves from being attacked by viruses. But the process, the CRISPR and the enzyme that's attached to it, actually allow for gene editing in animals. It's now being used for treatment of various diseases. It's been used to try to treat people with sickle cell anemia, I think, is one that's been used for, and they're working on HIV as well. This is the new age of gene editing, and I think over the next many years, it will become probably the technology that's used to treat lots of diseases. So fascinating book. This guy, his name's Walter Isaacson, and he's written biographies. I think the most recent one was on Steve Jobs. So interesting book, but again, not fiction, but still pretty entertaining. Oh yeah, super light reading for somebody with a master's degree in genetics like yourself. That goes back a long way. I (laughs) I think it's safe to say whatever I learned is out of date and I've forgotten it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's what's keeping me busy. Cool. Well, then I guess we'll catch up with everybody next time. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kreminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2021.